Hi, welcome to the Culture Hacker Podcast. My name is Shane Green. I am your host. I'm also the author of the book Culture Hacker, which is out now on shelves. And today I am very excited because I have a Mr. Andra Berry with us. Uh, Andra is responsible for organizational culture and employee engagement at MGM Resorts International. I think they've got about 27 properties across the country. But of course, if you're coming to Las Vegas, you're probably staying at an MGM property. So you'll understand how many things he's responsible for. But what's really cool is he's also responsible for personnel through the manpower reserve for the Air Force. So talk about both sides. Andra, welcome to Culture Hacker. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So, so, so been looking forward to this because if you're talking about culture, you're talking about real issues and topics that I think have an impact on especially myself and so many facets of my life. So I am uh, looking forward to having this dialogue, conversation, learning, growth. Well, I know you get fired up about this, so let's fire up our audience. All right, let's get into it. Definition of culture. You know what? It seems to be the hottest topic out there. Everybody's talking about it. Why, how do you see culture, and why do you think suddenly it's become the topic du jour, and why is it so important that companies are now focusing, but more importantly, investing in it? Well, when, uh, when I think of culture, and, and I, I, I always think of mindset, of how people think, no matter what processes, structures you have in place, policies, procedures, the thinking, and I used to always say this, energy follows your thinking, the thinking that people have drives how they behave or how they respond or how they treat guests or each other. So culture to me is that mindset that you have inside of you that forms you know, what you value, how you feel, how you will respond to any situation. And if you have a collective group of employees who are at different places, see it from different standpoints, are not, as they say, rowing the same way or climbing the same way or on the same page, then it causes uh, just distraction, dissension, dysfunction in the workplace. And so as much as an organization can, they have to get collective thoughts are changing mental models about how people see the organization and what's expected of them and what you're asking them to do and the purpose and value behind it because that's uh, where they can really thrive. And and, and and you talked earlier about me being in the military, so I'm going to go back to this. I, I, I think the military is, is, is really good at the minute you come in, and I had to go to this thing called boot camp, and I think a lot of people relate to that, <laughs> the minute you come in, they are pouring culture into you. Here's who we are. This is what we stand for. This is how we talk. This is how we dress. This is how our history is. And, and they get you on the same page, and then they test you for it and hold you accountable to it. But something else I discovered is my daughter goes to school back east, and uh, she was a freshman last year. And the first week, all they called is orientation. And, and I was like, a whole week of orientation? Well, school history, school pride, what we stand for, rules and regulations, what make us makes us the best. Here's what we this this is our purpose. This is what we expect of you in four years. And if you follow this structure, you will thrive in this environment. They were pouring culture into them, and so she started telling me after this week why it was the best school in the world, why you know she had so much pride in it, why she wanted me to give her more money to buy T-shirts. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Starting to learn, if you're not having an impact on that thinking process, organizations will struggle about, 
you know, how do you collectively get from five to 50,000 employees on the same page? And if you think about that service profit chain, if the leaders are not espousing and holding accountable to what they expect their, their employees to do, that impacts how they treat the guests and each other impacts the bottom line. So you cannot, and I repeat, cannot spend enough time getting people to have a sense of pride about what they're expected to do and held to do to make the organization great. But And again, I think you jumped on something really cool, even with your daughter, is that if you focus on mindset and why I get so fired up about it, is that mindset impacts behavior. And so the behavior of your employees, the behavior of your daughter, the behavior in the military, that becomes what your customers see. That becomes so much about of who you are. And I think companies are missing that in today's transparent world, those behaviors, how your employees act, how your employees take care of the guests at all of your properties is forming the reputation of your organization and that's becoming your brand. And I think that's why we get so fired up about this. And it starts with this thinking. And if we get pride and we get excitement and we get passion, it's amazing what people will be willing to do. And I'm sure you've seen something probably much more grander and drastic uh, of what that looks like in the military than anything else. But it really is defining companies today. Yeah, and, and, and I, I tell people this. I, I fly a lot, which I know you do. There are certain airlines that I get on, I know those flight attendants are enjoying their job. There's other airlines I get on, and it's a job for those flight attendants. And, and it goes back to what you said about behaviors. So I can define the airline I'm on based off the behaviors of those who are touching all these passengers. And, uh, and some look like they want to be there and enjoy it, and some look like this is, I'm just going to get through this flight. They're still, they're still professional, mm-hmm. but... Guess which one makes my hour to three hours a little bit more enjoyable and a little bit more fulfilling and a little bit more of an experience than the ones who are just getting through the day. Yep. And so I, and I, and I think about that. You know, I, I said this to somebody, and I don't know if this is a good definition, but attitude is the mental conversations that we have with ourselves. I love and, it. And, and then how do I get people to have great conversations with themselves because we used to think there was something wrong with people who talked to themselves until we discovered <laughs> all of us do it. And so, uh, so how do I get people to have better conversations with themselves to further the mission, the readiness of what they're asked to do on a consistent, disciplined basis? Because Not because they have to, because they want to, and they embrace it, and they see the benefit to not just themselves, their coworkers, but also the guest or the passengers. I, you know, but what you said is so critical. It's about wanting. You can't make someone have a good mindset or attitude. They have to want that for themselves. And I think this is where organizations, that they have to invest in this. Yes, you can't control everyone's mindset. You can't control everything about your employee. But there's certainly some things you can do that just makes them feel better about coming to work each day. And there's certainly some things that you can do as a manager to make them feel good about doing it for you. And I think that's where companies have to step up that responsibility is while they can't control it, they have so much opportunity to influence. And I would say one step further to either inspire those great conversations with themselves. Yeah. You know, I I, I asked my, you know, I looked over my my life and I was like, how much time, 
you know, I have a former, you know, life as a police officer, military, corporate America, uh, involved in the business. And so how much of my life did, did was spent really working on my mindset or my attitude or how I look at life because that became such a driving factor in how much I enjoyed or was engaged or inspired by my workplace. And I, and I had to really, really, really think about that, and it happened very few times. Most of the, my training or development was skill, skills-based, and it was you know uh, compliance-based yep. or uh, rules-based, and it wasn't more technical, functional skills, but it did not talk about who I, how I think, how I show up, how to you know bring better energy, how I inspired or motivated myself. You know what I brought, my ideas, my innovation, my continuous improvement. Wanted to go into every situation to make it better, to add value, and I and I found very little of that. And I was like, I think that's a huge miss in terms of having an impact on how we show up. And I was actually looking for some defining moments of uh, what made me change. And uh, and I'm going to digress for a second, but. Here's a defining moment for me. I got sent to a uh, a training one time, and I don't even know how I got there. And it was at Northwestern University, and uh, and I didn't want to be there. And I had uh, decided I wasn't going to stay at the training. I was going to go to a Cubs game because I didn't want to be there. <laughs> and um, on the break, before I was going to le- leave, this guy, his name was Dr. Saban. He talked to me. He says, you seem like you're not happy, frustrated, don't want to be here. And I'm like, I don't. I'm not going to stay and then he said this to me. He says, he said, I did a study, and I looked at people who have been in professions for a long periods of time. He called 15 years or more. I think he did it in Minnesota. And he said, I discovered on average that when people work long careers, when they leave, they live like five to ten years, and then they, you know, they deteriorate, health gets bad, even pass away. And I said, what causes that? And he says, your thinking, your attitude, your, I think he called it dendrites and neoplasticities. He says, that mindset is a, such a driving factor in terms of how you live life and your contribution and your love for it. And, and you spend most of your awakening hours at work, and you should want to make a huge impact on the people around you and what you do. And he, and he gave me a book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, and I, and I didn't leave the training, by the way, because I was so intrigued by the conversation. But I came back, and I started watching how people acted. I mean, they acted like it was like they were getting root canals. Didn't yep. want to be there, you know. It was like on a Monday they were looking forward to Friday, and and I told myself I was the, I wasn't gonna be like that anymore. And people thought, you know, I was using drugs or I was on the goofy truck or something was wrong with me. <laughs> and all I did was change my thinking yep. about how I was gonna look at life, and and just my attitude. And and I suffice to say, later on that year I became the employee of the year. And I look back at that, and it was just a change in mindset. Yeah. And and he 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 changed my, I like to say my BS or my belief system about how life should be, and it had a huge impact on how I showed up, gave ideas, participated in meetings, level of engagement, my experience, my happiness, all those things. So, we we have to spend a little bit more time on how we think and the impact of that. So, so tell me, how, how do we do that with, with our people? You know, what sort of things have, you know, you had that sort of moment and experience. Have you done something similar, um, whether it's in your current role at MGM Resorts or where you've actually brought that focus on mindset and attitude to a group of people and actually started to see those type of results? 
Well, the, the, the way I got with this company is uh, I put together this training with uh, uh, another guy and myself put together this training called Diversity Champions. And, and we actually brought the training to the, this company. And it was really based upon a lot of experiential learning because you were always trying to challenge belief systems and, uh, and how people think. And, and, if you, and we, we started this training like probably 12, 13 years ago. I will promise you, if you came today and asked people that went to the class 12, 13 years ago, what was the impact of that class? They will talk about the experiences of the experiential learning of, and I like to say, significant emotional events that they could relate to or align with. So, um, so that they, so they get, I have, I have had a chance to do that, and, and and I keep that same thought process when I talk to people just in an open setting about you know picture in your mind or think about this because I don't think people want to be average. I don't think people want to be mediocre. I don't think people just want to exist. I think people want to have a purpose. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. But I think you also I, I heard one time said that one of our basic human needs is to make a contribution in life. And, but that's, that's a choice. And I remind people that decisions determine your destiny. And every day you've got to think about this. You have to say, what's my commitment today to really you know, make a difference? So I, I have questions I ask people I, that I challenge. And, and going back to your original question, I, I've had a chance to do that in the organization, and it was a, a, a huge catalyst for where our organization went around diversity and inclusion, and and now inclusion is one of our, 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 our one of our four values, and so because the people are the foundation that makes the organization great, technology is great, you know, resources, processes, structures, systems, equipment, but the most valuable thing that you can invest in is, is people, and and we're and we as a company are starting to make that shift around investing much more in the learning and development, quality learning and development of people and, and and their thinking around what matters most and what gets me better. Because I believe you get better at work, it's going to translate over to home. Yes. You know, when we have a class on decision-making or problem-solving, those things translate over to, to your home. Our courageous conversations, those things translate over to your home. Or lives our culture, those things translate to your home. So uh, are we there? No, we got a lot of work to do. But I believe we have turned a corner of understanding that we have to invest in the individual one person at a time. Well, listen, you just touched on three big topics that I'm going to come back to one at a time. And as I said, let's start with this because you struck on something that I think companies have to realize. And and I, I spent some time probably last year going through the statistics of what's happening, and I'm going to say the American home today, when we started to see um, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, domestic violence, single home families, uh, health issues, all of that. And what was staggering as I went through that is in every instance, you could trace a causality back to stresses in the work about how they felt about coming to work, about what they were doing every day. And I, I, it, it was startling to me. And we started to transition. And it was funny. One of the most requested training uh, programs we delivered out last year was stress management because it is all about, and listen, you can't avoid stress. But what you right. have to be able to do is you have to learn to recover from it. 
and you have to learn how to, you know, get yourself back. That is one of the most important skills we have. So you talking about how that impacts the home, I am just all over that. And I don't think we are recognizing enough that people are taking those stresses, particularly managers and executives are taking those stresses home and the work is not suffering, but that home life is just becoming so um, split apart because we're not paying enough attention to that. I I, I agree. And and, and as I said earlier, you spend most of your awakening hours at work and it cannot help but have an impact on your home life. Because, it, you know, you don't, like, go 8 to 5 and like, I'm done with that. I'm not thinking about that. I'm not talking about that. It's not going to have any effect on me. Yes, it does. Yeah. And yes, it will. And, and, and even prior to coming to work, you know, it's on your mind and you're thinking about it. So the more that you can do to ensure that those work opportunities and experiences are done in a way, are managed in a way that it doesn't take you down but adds value to who you are as a person, as a parent, spouse, you know, brother, sister, whatever, the better off we are. Yep. And I, and I, I'll just say the whole person concept, you know, has to be really thought about. And and we talk about things like work-life balance, and but you know, stress is real. And, and but but can I manage it? And 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 I I, I would tell people don't you can't let your thoughts or your situations push you around inside of your head. Because I think life is much more mental than it is physical, and the more that we can give people the tools or the resources or the support to learn how to manage it so it can add value to who you are as a person and have a benefit when you walk out of that office or that building when you go home versus taking away from yeah. the best of who you are. And, and I think this is a piece that comes up. And listen, I'm, I'm a big fan. I love the fact that uh, companies are talking about wellness all the time. And, and again, I, I really do. I think it's an important step. The piece is we cannot think that wellness is about doing 10,000 steps a day. We, we can't think that wellness, as you said, is just about the physical. It has to have a mental approach as well. And, and I think, you know, unfortunately, as even as a country, but as many businesses, we haven't stepped into that, that mental wellness is such an important focus. It is such an issue to be dealt with. And I, as I said, I don't even think we've scratched the surface, but I think that's where we go in the future. And again, why when you start to pull it back? Mental wellness is about mindset and attitude. That is formulating culture. Culture is formulating the behaviors. Behaviors is reputation, it's brand. It is going to become the next focus. And it has to be. Because as we said, up until this point, we've been too focused on results. Now that the shift, and you've probably heard me talk about this, I really think we're in the employee experience economy because we've got a shift about how people are working and how people are doing. And, and that's where the focus has to be on the future. And I'm excited here you guys are starting down that track. But as you said, there's so much more to go because we're only just beginning this journey. Yeah, I, I, I tell people when, when, when I run for president. <laughs> and you will. <laughs> But, you know, I, I, I have to make a confession. When I first heard about things like mindfulness, I was like, ah, that's hokey pokey stuff. I look back now, and just to get a person just in a good frame of mind, just to get a person just breathing right, just to get a person relaxed, just to clear, just to, you know, get mentally present, there is something to be said about that. When, when, when I'm more clear, when I'm more relaxed, when I'm 
less stress-free, when I have more control of who I am as a person, when I can think freely, I'm a much better person. I can make a much better contribution. My energy is much better. And um, and people may call it something else, but it's, but I've just I've I've learned from watching and reading and studying that there the more that I am in mentally fit to to be my best, the, my my behaviors are better, my energy is better. I can energize other people better. My confidence is up. You know my my thought process is improved. You know all those things and. Yeah, I, I I I hope there's a time when it's it's not just something that we talk about, but it's almost mandated that we have to you know get people the opportunity to get themselves in a better place because life is just going to throw curveballs at you. It's not a matter of if; it's just when. And situations are going to happen, and some things are going to fail, and there's going to be challenges. There's going to be mergers and acquisitions. There's going to be layoffs. There's going to be things that. That, that life is just the natural order of life. But how do you respond to that? How do you handle that? How do you cope with that? How do you, you know, manage that? And and that's what we have to get better at, of people walking in the door. Because when when you're much more mentally prepared, again, I learned that so much from the military, and that, that no matter what's thrown at you, uh, Inside, you better control that because people expect you to be the leader and to continue to progress and go forward versus, you know, shriveling up or hmm. or outwardly, you know, not being indecisive. And we can't do enough of that uh, in terms of getting people better prepared in, in their thinking and how they're going to show up and how they prepare themselves on a day-to-day basis. And so I, I'm with you on that one. Like I said, if I'm president, I would I would make it. <laughs> Every school will do it. Every university will do it. Every workplace will do it, uh, even if it's like 15, 20 minutes a day, just to get people ready for this thing we call life. Listen, I love it. And again, I'm voting for you when you go, by the way. Hey, listen, <laughs> I got to go back to another piece. You talked about training a little bit earlier, that you you conducted training. And this is, you know, this is one of my hot topics. It's that I go to so many companies today and I walk into a training class and you look at the people's faces. You can tell they don't want to be there. More importantly, I look at the person delivering the message and I can tell they don't want to be there. It is boring. It is irrelevant. And it is basically ticking the boxes. And what you talked about the earlier that training, it has to be something that is emotional and experiential. And I just can't, you know, I get fired up because so many companies don't get that. And the other part is that when you're, you know, as a trainer or being a trainer, that, that's not something you can make up. It's not something that you can just have the admin pick up on her uh, off days because she wants to, you know, be a trainer. It's a profession and it's an art form to be able to have people walk away emotionally connected and engaged with a message. And I heard you say that earlier and I'm going, that's exactly what's the problem with so many. Our training delivery is just off. It's boring. And it turns, it actually creates status quo, and it turns people off. Yeah, yes. You know, and, and I, I used to say the three E's of any good training or trainer, they're going to bring the emotion to it. It's going to be a great experience. They're going to have some enthusiasm. And I, I, I bet the, you know, I always tell people after you get to a certain point in life, you kind of look at life a little differently. <laughs> I, I, I think about, I, I, and, and I just I know I, I regress a little bit, but on my 40th birthday, I uh, 
I told myself, I'm not going to work today. I'm just not going to do nothing. And I read the newspaper, and um, and there were seven people in there um, under my age that were in the obituary columns. And I don't, I don't want to make this a grim uh, conversation, but it was a wake-up call to me that every time you get a chance to do something that impacts people, how dare you not give them the best of who you are? How dare you not let them know that this is a, not just a, an opportunity for them, but it adds value. It's, it, 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 it can make you better. It has significance. You know, it's, it's going to be something that can elevate who you are in terms of what you bring to the table because otherwise I shouldn't be up there talking about it. And if I don't believe it first, they won't believe it. If I don't feel it, they don't feel it. If I don't get excited about it, they don't get excited about it. If I have no passion about it, they have no passion about it. And I like to believe that if the organization asks me to stand up in front and talk about something um, that adds to the strategic direction value of who we are, then I'm going to pour out everything. Sometimes when I train, I feel like I've been through a football game. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean I, I, I'll sweat and... <laughs> Because I'm like, how dare I not give them the best experience possible? How how dare I not touch their emotions? I think it was, uh, I think it was Aristotle said, educating the mind without educating the heart is really no education at all. Yeah. And I and, and I believe that. Yep. And so I wanna I wanna touch their heads and hearts. And I, I like to say I wanna I wanna give them some heart set, mindset, skill set, tool set. I wanna hit the heart. I wanna hit the mind. I want to give them some skills, but I want to put some in that toolbox. So when they walk out of there, like, it was worth it. Time well spent. Glad I came. Yep. Thank you for the opportunity. And so I'm hopeful that organizations, if, if, if it's enough to take you away from work for 30 minutes or a full day, it's got to add value to, because I always like to say, how does this make you not just a better employee, co-worker, leader, but a person. And I believe all training should be tied into personal growth or have a component tied to that because then there's buy-in from me to want to do my best work. I love it. That, that's some good advice out there. Again, so many organizations, trains a billion-dollar industry, and I just get frustrated when I see the lack of results. So thank you. Let, let's go. I got another topic. I got to get you involved in it because it's in your title. I know it's a big part of it. Let's talk diversity. It, 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 diversity, inclusivity, it's so important today. Um, and yet companies are struggling with it. There's an awareness out there, but there is a struggle. Give us some advice. You know, how did you tackle when you came into MGM Resorts? Where do you start? Where, where, you know, where's the focus? Where do, you, where do you put the energy? Because I just feel we're at the beginning of this long journey as well. And, you know, where, where, where do you start? And what advice have you got? Well, I, well, first of all, I, 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 I'll, I'll start with this. All, all that's going on right now in our country, and I'm talking about whether it be the NFL or these marches or these protests, those are diversity issues and inclusion issues. And if you are fundamentally responsible for people or people in your life, you're going to have diversity and inclusion uh, challenges because it's a part of life. The first thing we always have to keep in mind is no one had a choice of what they would be when they were born. 
So when people, and this is why how I start the MGM training, I said when people start to categorize or label or stereotype, you're basically saying I am putting you in those categories over something you had nothing to do with. Because mm. I want to get people to understand that's ignorant because your accent, your where you were born, how tall you are, you, you, you don't control those things. But we want to again, label and stereotype and categorize. And so that's just not good for anyone. And if the organization is going to be bringing people in, what you should be saying is, I need talent. And to use a football analogy, you can't have a bunch of quarterbacks. You can't have a bunch of running backs. you got to have some linemen. you got to have some receivers you got to have some tight ends. You know. And so in the workplace, we're collectively better when I have different ways of looking at life. Because the one thing me and you have uh, going for us is we've been exposed to different things. So you bring all that collective experience, knowledge, understanding, education to the table. And when I discard somebody or shut them off or don't want to include them, I'm saying I don't want the best of you. Diversity is about looking for the best of people. and But diversity is not enough because that's saying I'm now accepting or maybe even celebrating the best of who you are. But inclusion is now I need you. I can't start this meeting without the best of you. I look around. I always used, used to say that if you look around the room and everybody looks like you, that is not good. If everybody <laughs> thinks like you, that's horrible. Yep. Because that's what diversity and inclusion does. It brings out the best. And, and, and remember, everything that we see in this world, from a bottled water to a paint on a wall to a television, was somebody's thought process. I am nervous that I will miss out on that next great opportunity, next great skill set, next great idea when I don't bring you into the room. And, then, and, and and I don't see how any decent, I'm not even going to say good, any decent leader, and this is why I told the MGM when I would train them, any decent leader that does not want diversity and inclusion in their toolbox as an added value to putting together the best team can, can survive in today's workplace. I, I love it. This is so powerful. And, and again, I, if you start to bring this back together, because we started talking about this collective mindset of a group of people and, you know, aligning certain values. And I often hear people say, well, if you do that too much, you're going to lose creativity. You're going to lose the innovation. You're going to lose some of that, that, that sort of spark. And what I come back with is something that you just said. It's like by accepting and looking for the best people and removing labels and that from everyone, as long as you've got people with similar mindsets coming in, and then they bring their different experiences, their different talents, yeah. those different strengths that they were born with or came with that you had no impact on. You yeah, are no going way. to have creativity and innovation at its very best. And that argument that, well, we don't, we, we don't want to you know, hire, you know, get everyone the same, I'm like, then don't. But right. you want people to have similar values to you so that you can ensure you can put them in the room and they're committed to a common cause. Exactly. You, you know, when they hired me here, they hired me in a diversity position. And But from coming up in the military, for me to get promoted, I had to get exposed to all kind of leadership development. When you 
become an officer, you go to Academy of Military Science. When you make captain, you have to go to Squadron Officer School, which is leadership development. When you make Lieutenant Colonel, you have to go to Air Command and Staff College. When you make Colonel, you have to go to War College. So they brought me here for diversity, but guess what? When I had a chance to get involved in leadership development, all that, all those other things that I got throughout my life, that added value to the best of who I am and what the contribution I can make. If they limit me or put me in a box based off of diversity, they have just missed all that collective knowledge and wisdom and experience that I could add value in other places. I, I was able to work at the university, getting to do culture now. Well, a lot of those uh, skill sets and knowledge that I bring is from what I learned outside the organization, not inside. So when people don't value diversity and inclusion, they're really saying, in my opinion, I don't value talent. I don't value people. I'm too close-minded to, to do what's best for my neighborhood, to my workplace, because I don't value what makes us great. And I always remind people this, especially in this country, America was started over a diversity issue. Mm. And, and sometimes people forget that part. <laughs> but they wanted freedom of, you know, to worship religion, and they were want to live British rule. I, they, they, they forget that part in this country sometimes. And so much of what this country has been through, from civil war to civil rights, those are really diversity issues. And so there's been too much blood, sweat, and tears that have been shed to get us embracing the best of us so why would people want to take us backwards from that? And and, and I was like, yeah, you, you're, you're missing, you know, what makes us unique. And not just accepting of it, I want to celebrate it because I want you to know that I need the best of you. And, and, and that's a piece of what engagement is all about. When you know that I value you, I welcome you, I want you at the table, and I want to I want, I want the best of what you bring, you will crawl through glass on your knees for me because you so strongly believe that I care and embrace about what makes you the person that you are. So in the workplace, when we say we don't, we don't value diversity and inclusion, you're really saying, I don't value talent. And, and the talent is at different places now than it used to be. That's why you have to break those mental models of what talent looks like or where it comes from or what it sounds like. You know, and, and, that, and that's the hard part of what diversity. The talent is all over the place. And we live in a global world now. Yeah. And it's not just in these 54 states, territories, just Columbia. It is all over the world. And I want that talent in my organization. And you can because of what technology brings. Listen, I, I, gotta, I, I can't let us go without talking about, listen, you're a Brigadier General in the National Guard. So you, you've touched on some of these elements. But, you know, talk to us a little bit about, you know, you've talked about some of these lessons from the military. But what, what have you taken on or what can organizations learn from the military culture? Give us, give us you know, these, these couple of pearls of wisdom of what grounded you and what they gave you that you've just found now uh, allows you to excel in so many different things today? Uh, that, that, that's a great question. Here's, uh, here's something that people have to understand about the military. Um, if, especially those who are, that you, that when you hear about uh, wars going on or going to deploy to help in Puerto Rico or going to Florida or Texas, most of the, uh, the individuals that you see are very young airmen, soldiers, Marine, Coast Guard, et cetera, uh, Navy, and, and they're very young. 
uh, I, I went on a the John the John Stennis the aircraft carrier and uh, for the Navy and, and the average age of the people on this aircraft carrier were probably if I had to guess probably 28 29 years old. Wow. And it puts in perspective you have these very young people who are protecting our country and they don't make a whole lot of money. And that goes to your question what the military taught me is pride and purpose for a reason. You have to be willing to to have such a strong belief about what I'm involved and engaged in. And that's why, you know, you see all these documentaries on Band of Brothers or, you know, Brother Sisterhood, because the military teaches you that pride and sense of what can we all coalesce around, put our time and energy around, train for, stay ready for, and on a moment's notice execute on is pride and purpose. You know, they the, it, the military is so steeped in the pride and purpose, you know, the few, the proud, the Marines. I mean, these are you don't hear people say I'm ex military. They may say I'm former because they still have that pride about, you know, you know, the, first of all, the symbolism of the uniform, the awards and decorations, the rank. All because we all went through that shared experience of learning how to make a bed, learning how to march together, learning how to get through obstacles together, learning how to take on challenges, learning how to become more resilient over that pride and purpose. And they're very good about keeping you laser-focused on what matters most. They're very good about getting the distractions out of the way of, of the negative part of life. And that's and, and and if you go back, they the military has been such a going back to our early discussion, uh, such a leader around diversity and inclusion, because when you get together, they remind you you cannot succeed on your own. And when if you have a you know a, a squadron of let's say sixty people, you are judged by the worst of that sixty versus the best. So you do everything you can to pull up. That person who's struggling. So when they learned, when they taught us how to make a bed, my bed could have been immaculate. But if that person's bed next to me is is, is messed up, my bed is messed up. Mm. So I make my bed and I go over there and help that person immediately, and that person helps somebody else immediately, and that's the ultimate of team. And so everything is driven by taking care of each other. Everything is driven by collaboration. Everything is driven by readiness. You talk to any military member and ask them what is readiness all about, well, get ready to just listen for the next hour because they understand they've been preparing for that moment constantly. And that's and, and, and the military is in a constant state of preparation for whatever, hmm. floods, tornadoes, hurricanes, going to war, you know, some kind of tragedy. They're prepared for whatever. And, and you can place them into unfamiliar situations, but they have a concept and a structure of leadership that they will walk through from decision-making to problem-solving, you know, that thinking that helps them understand, I can, I can, I can win over any odds and, and, and to never give up no matter what is going on. So, I mean, I could talk all day about this lessons learned. That's powerful. But, big, you know. but, but probably the biggest thing that they give to you and they remind you of and they pour into you is that you are a leader. 
But the first person you must lead is yourself. And then you got to be able to lead and hold accountable the men and women around you. And that has more impact on the mission and our state of readiness than anything else. That, that This is huge stuff. And again, you know, just go back to what you just said. It's like you go to so many organizations today and you hear the complaints. Don't make enough money. And I've got a young workforce that is disloyal or all this other stuff. And you just described that idea of pride and purpose. Again, company culture is not about how much money you earn. It's not even necessarily about what the job is. It's about can you create a singular purpose with that group of people? And then can you give them so much pride, not necessarily in what they do, but the fact that they're doing it as a group is exactly where I think so many organizations miss. And that culture isn't about the kegerator and the the, the, the pinball machine and all of these other things. It is about where that purpose is coming from. And I think when you start to come down, that's the, that's the grounding on which all companies need to begin focusing. How is that purpose in place? So, Andre, listen, this is huge stuff. And again, uh, we, we could go on, and I think we're going to have to come back for round two of this. But listen, this awesome. I hope our listeners out there enjoyed. There's so much uh, sort of going on. And again, I know everyone's going to want to be able to find you. So what's the easiest way to find you? Is it LinkedIn? Where, where, where should we go if they want to you know, check in and uh, share some thoughts with you? Oh, you can go to LinkedIn. You can email me at uh, O-B-E-R-R-Y at MGMResorts.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, that Snapchat thing, I ain't too, I ain't too crazy about that. <laughs> that. That's all right. Listen, you've got an open intubation out there. Hopefully my listeners take it up. But Andre, I can't thank you enough. A fantastic conversation, some really great insights. Thanks for sharing, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Again, this was the Cold Checker Podcast. My name is Shane Green. And again, don't be afraid to reach out to Andra or myself. Connect at ShaneGreen.com. Look out for my website, ShaneGreen.com, or check out my book, Culture Hacker. And if you've got thoughts, ideas, or you want to be on the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out. It's been a real pleasure talking to Andra today. I look forward to seeing you back at Culture Hacker. Take care, everyone. Cheers.